Welcome to episode number five of the Sharp Report here on bettingpros.com. My name is Matt Peralt. You guys probably know me from the Daily Juice podcast, but we have started this new long-form conversation with people in the media, bookmakers, market makers, and professional sports gamblers. Each and every week, you get this podcast on Wednesday. And this week, we're really psyched to be joined by a guy who I can't identify as to who he's with now, but he's a longtime media member who has been with us for a really long time here for a variety of things. He's helped me out a ton since I moved here to Vegas. His name is Patrick Everson. He's actually changed his Twitter handle since he has gone into this new venture. But Patrick Everson joining us here on the Sharp Report. Patrick, how are you, man? Good to have you on. I am great and I am happy to be on. Congratulations on this venture of yours as well. This is fantastic. Well, give me the new Twitter account because it's a new one now since you've moved on to a new venture, which cannot be named it yet at, at, yeah, at the time co- of time. <laughs> coming soon, I promise. Uh, the count's the same. So if you're already following me, you're, if you were following me previously, you're still following me now. But uh, if you'd like to check me out, if you haven't done so yet, obviously, I'd be grateful uh, to anybody out there listening. And it is Patrick E underscore Vegas, kind of similar <laughs> to the last handle, but just a, a slight change. Patrick E underscore Vegas. OK, so give people a quick bio. You've been covering the sports gambling industry for a really long time. Give everybody a little bit of a quick rundown as to what you've been doing over your career. Well, I, I spent a good chunk of my uh, career in newspapers, and most of that time was at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, moved out here in 1994, and I was on the sports desk most of that time. And it's pretty much inseparable when you're covering sports in Las Vegas to have the sports betting angle. Uh, you, you that they go hand in hand. It's like I said, completely inseparable. So uh, you know, learned a lot through some of it through writing a lot of it because I was on the production side, a lot of, a lot of editing and so forth. Um, and I learned a lot of it through that, just, uh, just, just reading an awful lot. Uh, and then I, you know, starting in about uh, 2005, 2006, I uh, started dabbling in some freelance work uh, with, with some sports betting sites and ultimately with covers in around 2009, 10 was off and on with them doing some freelance work for a few years. Uh, it wound down a little bit as we all tried to fight our way through the, through the uh, recession and pick back up again a little bit later. And then ultimately in 2016 uh, covers made the move to, to bring me on full time as basically their not only their Las Vegas correspondent, but their North really their U S correspondent because they're a Canadian company. And so I was with covers as their senior writer for the last five and a half years, tremendous run. I'm super grateful. They gave me an outstanding platform and uh, I'm just, uh, I, I'm really pleased with everything that I got to do and all the support they gave me. Just got a tremendous opportunity to uh, to jump in with a startup that's going to be based here in Vegas. There's a bunch of Las Vegas people behind this project that uh, uh, probably, yeah, probably have to be a little bit deeper into the gaming industry to, <laughs> to recognize the names, but they're very good names and uh, I'm excited about it, no question. Well, we'll all be watching for that. Obviously, that big announcement coming down the pike here in, in the very near future for you and your new venture. But let me ask you about the career you've had and the changes in the overall reporting that you've seen. H- how different is it now to report in the post papsville world? And is it easier or more difficult to get information? It's generally easier to get more information. And this was something that was even sort of moving that way before the decision came down, thankfully. And I mean, I like to think that I helped bring that about uh, what I started doing almost immediately when I moved into my full time role with covers back in April of 2016 was doing reports literally from sportsbook floors, video reports talking about, you know, how games are being bet and why lines are moving and where the sharps are, and where the public is and so forth. And it was, you know, at that time, there were only, you know, maybe two or three outlets that would give you much in the way of information that uh that you could put out there and 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 a, and a lot of outlets didn't want to really give anything out but uh you know social media there's so much at everybody's fingertips now and i think also just some of the some of the outlets that recognize that it was uh you know that it was it was good for them to get their name out there and how things are going and how games are being bet and so forth uh pretty much you know pretty much all the others have followed suit now what i wish there are some more than others some will put out very general information that that for some people is enough. A lot of people seem to really enjoy the betting splits. Um, but betting splits without context, you know, I put it out there a lot because a lot of times it's the only thing I'll get. 
And 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 some of my followers and some people who who who've read me over the years on covers and elsewhere, uh, they can glean something from that. And if they can glean something from that, then more power to them. Um, I would prefer to have a little more context, and that's what I'm trying to get more of these sources to do. Is give me a give me a little meat behind these numbers. What you know, I understand you know that seventy percent on tickets and eighty percent of money are on one side, but can you can you give me some context? Where was the money at? What price did it come in at? Why did you move that sort of thing? So I'm I'm working on that, but uh, uh, that j- just the fact that we're getting this type of information from geez, I, I mean there are probably 10 sportsbook outlets I could reach out to right now and get something on the Indians Reds game. That's coming up here pretty shortly. We're talking on a Monday. So, um, you know, that's, that's not something that was the case five years ago. It was limited to a few sports books. And obviously we only had a few sports books operating in the legal jurisdictions here in the United States. Cause it was pretty much all Las Vegas, but, but, uh, but even over time, more have gotten involved. I've had more just in the last few weeks that have mm. come to me and said, Hey, we want to start doing this. We see what you're doing with all these other books across the country. Uh, we want in on this. I'm like, well, you give me access and I will put it out there. What is the difference or do you have a difference between a new story and, or a book that wants a big bet publicized or they want information put out there for whatever reason, meaning they're taking that wager, knowing that they're going to publicize the wager through somebody like you. Do you just, do you care one way or the other, why it's coming to you or how it's coming to you in terms of their end goal? Not necessarily. Um, I don't, I don't care too much. I mean, I, I like to know them and I think, I think people like to generally speaking, and there's been some polling on this. So David Purdom and others have done some stuff with this, The people generally are really interested in these things. And oftentimes they're like, I'm rooting against that guy. I hope he loses $450,000 in the Super Bowl. I'm not that way. I want to see these guys do well. I mean, I want to see the books run a good, fair business, and I want to see betters enjoy themselves, have a good time, and make some money too. So uh, I do think there's a middle ground there. So I, uh, and, and I hope more books uh, manage to find it. But um, I just think the interest there is, is, is so great and, and it's intriguing. Now, I will say, I have kind of dialed it down a little bit. You and I talked about this in the uh, in in the previous iteration of our uh, of our, of our <laughs> podcast, and yeah. kind of some information there soon. We'll see. That uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I backed off a little bit on some of on on really publicizing some of these wild parlays, only because not because I you know I, I mean I'm happy if somebody turns a little into a lot. Uh, it's definitely a good thing, and I'll put it out there from time to time, but maybe not quite as much because I just. I don't want to give people the wrong impression that this is something that happens regularly and that it's easy to do. Parlays are a bookmaker's best friend. They love, love, love parlays. Uh, that's that's where the books tend to make their money, not on the straight bets, on the spread of the total or the money line. They make their they make their bones on parlays that don't come through. So uh, so I try to be you know. I, I, I try to proceed with a little caution there. I want to get it out there and let people know, yeah, have fun with the parlays. I, I guess that's what I say. If I put it out there, I'm like, hey, remember, this is a parlay. You're having fun here. This is a little, <laughs> this is much harder to do than just win a game or even two games. If you're talking three, four, five game parlays on your NFL Sunday, uh, it's a tough chore. So I do balance a little because I know there's a big, you know, there's a publicity hunt here on for the, on the sportsbook side, which I understand. I do try to balance it a little bit, but if it's a big play on a on a side or a total or whatever, I'm like, yeah, let's let's put it out there and let people have at it. My only question, if I was in your shoes, and and this is something that is nearly impossible to do, I know you have done this in the past, but I'm not sure everybody does this. That you actually have a chance at times to talk to the player themselves and the person who's actually put the bet in. So there's not yes. you don't need to worry about. Am I being told information that actually is accurate if the gambler themselves is the one that's saying, hey, Patrick, I'm placing a wager at X, Y and Z. And then you can confirm it with the sports book that they actually did take that amount of money. Right. Do you do you ever feel that way where you're kind of like in in a news world, you would have multiple sources, if you will. You'd have two, three sources. It's very difficult in the sports gambling world because only the book knows only the book knows Mm -hmm. they've they've taken that wager. Does that one one level of confirmation does that ever cause you pause does that ever become a problem with with you when it comes to a wager that comes by you via either email text phone call whatever it might be right that's a, it's a really good point and i think it does but what i've what i feel like i've done pretty well what i hope i've done pretty well 
is I've cultivated these relationships well enough that one source that the one source is a really good source. Now that said, oftentimes from certain companies that now operate on on more of a national level than just the Las Vegas level, as was the case just a few years ago pre-PASPA, uh, I may get something from national sent to me. And then if I know where it came in, like if I know which book probably took it, even though it's their national representative shooting it out to me, I'll call that specific book in mm. that specific state and at least get, even though it's the same same company, at least get two people saying the same thing. So that ultimately helps me feel a little better. And sometimes it works the other way too. I get some really good information locally, for example, and I know it's accurate, but I also know that nationally, the, the head honchos are going to want to clear that for publication. So mm. then I reach out the other direction and they'll, you know, nine times out of 10, they'll confirm it. And every now and then it'll be a customer that they know doesn't want that information out there. Basically, a customer could identify him or herself if they saw that. It'll be like, oh, that's me. I don't want that out there. So um, I, I do try to, you know, I always, I always single, I mean, single verify is definitely a little touchy, but I feel like my sources are good enough and respected enough and that I'm respected enough that they wouldn't lead me astray. Um, mm. And that I've got enough sources at each shop locally or regionally or nationally that hopefully I can double check on it too, if I'm ever that concerned. How do you feel about the mattress max of the world? The guys who are looking after who maybe are placing a bet, knowing that they're going to get the ink at the run, the print, the publication, whatever you want to call it. But in reality, they got kind of an ulterior motive because their company is running. It's a hedge more than a wager, or they mm -hmm. know the publicity will be good enough that, Hey, if I bought a half a million dollars in advertising, I'd get more if I just drop a half a million dollars on, on a bet because of what's going to get picked up by whomever is covering the sports gambling industry. Uh, yeah. Where are you on those guys? Oh my look. What I will say is Jim McInvale is a real nice guy. I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times. I've met him in person once or twice. And he's a nice guy. And he's a great businessman. And I have no problem with that. This, this is a guy <laughs> doing business. And he's not doing, anyth he's not doing anything illegal. He's got a great furniture operation. And he likes his home teams. And he likes to hedge against those, uh, against those furniture promotions he does. Uh, tie them into his uh, bets with teams. It's not, you know, I, to me, I feel it's run its course a little bit, but if he continues to enjoy doing it, I don't, I, I certainly, uh, I have, I have no issue with that, but it's not quite the same as, you know, the weekend warrior who's got a big bankroll and rolls into Vegas, uh, for a couple of days and it's just firing left and right. Um, and you know, it's the same person and you can start, mm -hmm. you can even kind of intimate that on social media, hey, there's a guy in town and he's just going off. He was firing all day Saturday on colleges. He's going again today on, uh, on, on NFL. There was, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a guy in bowl season and it was just insane what was going on. Just huge bets all day long. And everybody knew it was the same guy. And every, a lot of people were really engaged on social media. And I just, I feel like you're getting more of a, and people want to engage with that more. And I think people enjoyed engaging with, you know, Mattress Mac and so forth and some of his plays early on three, four years ago, even before PASPA, mm. um, where he had some Astro, the Astros Dodgers series, I believe, uh, where he had uh, really, really got involved for kind of, I think it was kind of the first, the jumping on point might have been the Super Bowl ahead of that, but it was right around there. Um, I think it was really intriguing. Then, like I said, now I think it's, it's, it's a lot, it, it's a little different than, like I said, uh, it's not as, it's not as engaging. It's just something that happens and you put it out there. And like I said, more power to him for doing it. Uh, you know, when these, when the promotions, when it, when it falls his way on the promotion side, then his customers, you know, then the Vegas books do well. And when it falls mm. his way on the customer side, then, then the Vegas books take a ding, but I, I certainly don't mind him supporting, uh, the sports book employees. Those people, uh, work, <laughs> work hard and, uh, and deserve a few bucks when he can, uh, when he makes, uh, such a bet that doesn't go well for him. Patrick, for a guy who's been around the sports gambling media as long as you have, wh what's a mistake that you see that's being made right now in sports gambling media? Is, is there one thing that you would like to see corrected? That's a really good question as well. You're full of good questions today, Matt, which is no surprise. <laughs> um, I, I'm a little bit concerned about the glut of advertising. I think that 
I, I, I mean, I know you've got it. You got to kind of get your brand out there, especially now that all of this is in so many different states and, and you want to find your way onto, you know, the game platform, you know, you want to be on during, you know, Fox NFL Thursday night or, you know, NBC on Sunday night, ESPN Monday night and throughout the day on Sunday. I, I understand that. I do think it would behoove the sports book, the sports companies overall, you know, writ large, I guess, for to, to put it that way, to kind of think about this just a little bit, because I don't think you want it to overwhelm the viewer, because not every viewer is into this. And in fact, most probably most viewers aren't. But I think if you handle it, you know, properly in a at a little bit more controlled level, then some of those people who aren't even casual players yet might think, oh, that's kind of interesting. I might check that out. But if like, every commercial break, you're getting a sports betting commercial every single time. Um, I do think that's a little bit uh, of an issue. And I know I recall a couple of years ago, I was at a, uh, a sports betting conference back in uh, either New Jersey or New York. And this, you know, that was brought up as something that was a real trouble spot across the pond in England. They were having, you know, real issues with it, which just, it just taking over, a broadcast or at least the commercials on the broadcast in some cases, both, you know? So I just think, you know, dial it down to seven, six, you know, <laughs> turn that volume down just a little bit while it, like I said, I recognize they've got to advertise. They've got, you know, there's, you know, gaining your know, customer acquisition and customer retention are so huge in the space right now, especially since most of it is done from the palm of your hand. Um, you got to find ways to meet them. Uh, and, and I understand the TV advertising during games and so forth is the way to do it. I just think, uh, we gotta be a little careful there. And I think it would behoove sports books to, to take that advice. Okay. So who's, and this is funny because I've had this exact conversation with Dave Sherapan, a guy you, you and I both know really well, and yes. you guys both have been in for a really long time and you both say the same thing. Okay. Hold on. It's a little over the top guys. We got to be careful because you both have said this, the majority of people watching are interested, which it's really kind of funny for me being in the bubble that I'm in to kind of be like, well, what do you mean? Not everyone's interested in doing this. Like, of course, everybody's interested in doing right. this. But right. the reality is that that's simply just not the case. Is it the responsibility of the books to tone it down or for the media companies who have the platforms to say, hey, look, at we don't want to have every single break have a sports gambling advertisement in it. We want to give the, the audience a little bit of a break. It's hard to say no to money. All about advertising. Yes. But who's who's going to be the the guardrail? Who should oh, be the gosh. buffer? Yeah, and I think the only way it happens is if it, it would be nice, ideally, if both of these sides came into this conversation and and understood that the broad audience that you get on Sunday Night Football, it's a it's you know people want to know even some of the people who don't necessarily gamble do find it interesting. Mm -hmm. But overall, you just don't want to win on I mean, It would be nice if the stakeholders in this, which are the books and the networks, could come to some some sort of consensus, some sort of middle ground where, like you said, uh, you know, we're not cutting to uh, a sportsbook commercial every single time we go to break. Um, and certainly not like, I, I don't know if it's happened. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure there's been situations where it's been two in a row coming out of break. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Can we at least keep it to one per two minute break or whatever it is? But um, I would think it would really look good for the sports book industry. I had a light go out on my hair. Sorry. Um, it would look really good for the sports book industry if they put their foot forward on this and said, look, this is part of a responsible gaming position that we hold to be true. Uh, we don't want people smacked in the face with this constantly and in promoting a responsible gaming message part of that is not messaging constantly about mm. sports betting so I, I probably would lean toward the sports books though it sure would be nice if uh you know the networks are taking that money and i i think the networks have a role to play in responsible gaming as well in this rapidly expanding era yeah i agree and, and you know in one of the I think one of the interesting things is that FanDuel and DraftKings both were involved in the daily fantasy explosion. So mm -hmm. they've kind of gone, they've kind of gone through this. They've, they've seen what happens when you inundate and you overwhelm because politicians right. pay attention then like the, you know, you can make a case that DraftKings and FanDuel may not have been in as much hot water with every state going through their laws saying, okay, is DFS gambling or is DFS 
you know, uh, you know, not gambling and trying to find right. how, how their language is, is if they just did not go over the top. But here we are again, kind of rewriting or making the same mistake that was made last time where we're right. just going to open season and fire on the communities and people get annoyed. And that's where, hey, I got a 14 year old kid watching this baseball game. Why is he seeing eight advertisements for sports books every right. single time we go to commercial? Mm-hmm. So that's my I'm with you. That, that, that's my concern with it. And I and I hope that we all kind of pay attention to it this coming football season because i think this is the tipping point that you're talking about i think this is the year that it's going to feel like it was 2014 all over again with daily fantasy right and and we're going to see everyone every break every book if you have a national platform or stage right now you're coming in on monday night on thursday night on sunday night you're going to want to be a part of of the of the broadcast in some form or fashion whether it be a bug an advertisement, a segment, something. And I think a lot of us might go, uh-oh, this kind of feels like repeating history. Yeah, and, and see the problem with this. I'll fix this light in a second, by the way, too. Uh, since like half my face, <laughs> half my face is shadowed. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, the other issue is with this, and I think they're doing this in, in, in the UK, is if you don't, if, if the books don't step in and play a role here and treat it as kind of a responsible gaming message and hope, like I said, hope it would be nice if it was in conjunction with the networks that, that have the, the broadcast rights. If they don't and it goes like that, then the federal government might step in. And I think what you don't want is any more government intervention than is necessary. Now, that is not me saying that there's no government intervention necessary in sports betting. I'm just saying there's an appropriate level of regulation. Try to find that point and don't let it go further, but don't let it go lower. So, and I think most states have kind of found that. I, I know I'm for sure Nevada has found that balancing act, although there are some regulations, we can touch on that another time, that need to be adjusted mm-hmm. here in Nevada, especially based on what's going on nationally. But um, what you don't want is to get it to a point where legislators feel like they need to take this into your hands and, and take, take it into their hands. Take it out of your hands when you had an opportunity to control the message and keep it the way you wanted instead of having government saying, here's how you have to craft that message now and here's how often you can craft it or how unoften you can craft it. You don't want to get to that point, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And it's a perfect stepping off point where we can get into some current news, some things that came mm-hmm. down today. Because I think you're a perfect guy to talk about mm-hmm. what is going on with Barstool Sports and Penn National oh, Gaming yeah. and the conversation with Major League Baseball. Because, you know, for a long time, uh, you couldn't get a peep out of Major League Baseball if you were calling up there for a quote about a gambling story, or you're calling about you know their position on sports gambling or their position with Papspa. It mm-hmm. was like, yeah, nope, we're not interested. We're not a fan of this. We don't want to be a part of you know anything to do with sports gambling. And obviously now they're full bore, full bore into sports gambling locally, nationally, regionally, whatever you want to talk about. What do you make of Major League Baseball potentially? And it's only a 50-50 prop right now. And then I guarantee it's going to happen. But if Barstool Sports with Penn Gaming and the score, their $2 billion acquisition that they made last week, if they air a Major League Baseball game, if I told you that five years ago that was going to happen, how would you have responded? I would say there's no way that's happening. <laughs> you know, I'm not even sure I would have said that was happening three years ago. And I'm not just speaking strictly to to, to Barstool here. Let's just, you know, speaking in generalities, if this was FanDuel yeah. or DraftKings or or any other, uh, or a, just a major media site that uh, happens to have a stake in sports betting as well, because Barstool is operating on a couple, on kind of both sides of the fence here. There's a, there's a media arm and then there's the sports book. Um, and, and that probably gets blurred sometimes, but I'm sure it doesn't, it, it's really, it's blurred with every company now. They're all kind of got their hands in the media space as well as the sports betting space, which I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you want to uh, have that content arm. I totally get it. Uh, so I, I would have said, I would have been, I would have been like, no, nah, this isn't going to happen. But look, we've seen an awful lot unfold over, over the last 36 months or so. It's been unbelievable, the, the, the progression. And I think most of it has been progression. I think yeah. there has been a little bit of regression, some things that need to be addressed. But I think most of it's been progress. I... I'm not averse to this necessarily, because especially if, if, if something like that were to lean heavily into Barstool Sportsbook content. It will. Because you know what – this, this is who's bringing you the event. So you know if you're watching this event through them that that's going to be you know, part of the bargain there. Now, that said, 
I still think whoever it is, I'm again, this isn't casting as persons on Barstool or FanDuel or DraftKings or any other company that might do this, but whoever it is, still to get touch on our uh, previous few minutes here on the on the podcast, still has an obligation to put forth a responsible gaming message and not smash people over the head with this. If this is the only way that they can take in this game and they decide to do so that way, okay, maybe there's a little bit of a, a bargain being made here where, okay, I'm going to get a little more sports betting comment. But still, I don't think you, I, I think you want to, to the best of your ability, treat it as much as a, an MLB broadcast game would typically be done with perhaps obviously sprucing in a little bit more betting talk than you normally would, but let's not go start to finish, you know, Hey, we settled one prop on that pitch and another one on this one. I'm just, I just, I feel like that wouldn't send the right message. If this is the medium through which the only medium through which you're seeing this game. It's a know? great point. And it's one that I made a couple of days ago that, you know, somebody, a, a, a buddy of mine who works in the Philadelphia media market said, Remember that it's broadcasting, not narrow casting. That's a great term. Wow. And it, feel, and it feels like we are entering into more and more of a narrow casting mm-hmm. world where if MLB does go ahead, goes and puts this on a Barstool app, on a score app, on a you know pen gaming app, whatever they choose to do, might be in all of them all at the same time. They're going to bring a barstool broadcast. It's not going to be. It's not going to be Bob Costas doing the game. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be barstool talent doing the game. And I, and I'm not saying they can't broadcast or call a game in a professional manner, but it will be different. That's why Major League Baseball would be giving it to barstool. They want that audience, so they mm-hmm. want it to be different, and their audience is going to expect it to be something of on brand when it comes to barstool. But I'm I'm with you on the point of I, I want like. And in, in this maybe a, a year or two away or whatever, but like I have no problem with sports gambling content being on the screen mm-hmm. or even having a sports gambling person that you throw it to like you do a sideline reporter. Yes. And you just say, hey, you know, first quarter's underway, you know, first quarter wraps up. What, what, what's the second quarter looking like? And you can do, you know, game opened up at minus three. We're not looking at a minus four number here. It's juice to the under here, juice to the, the dog, whatever you want to do for mm-hmm. a 30 second clip and then throw it back to you, like whoever back to the booth. Exactly. Like that I that I think is going to be hopefully something in the future that we do because yeah, I do I think know a people, guy who can do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll raise I my hand. Over, I've talked about <laughs> before, man. I'd be yeah. over the moon to be involved in something. That'd be really cool. Of course. And, and so like someone just to throw on a broadcast to do that. And I think that that hopefully yeah, is how spurts. we, yeah, how, how we bring it to the masses where mm-hmm. we just have it be part of the broadcast. Like you would do an injury report, a weather report. Yes whatever it might be. It's just exactly. content. It's information. And, but I feel like these narrow casts, if you want to call them that the bet casts or the broadcasts that are strictly just a sports gambling broadcast. I'll be honest, I'm their target market and I can't really get into it more than 15, 20 minutes because I mm-hmm. want to hear the game called. Like I want to hear, Tony yeah. Romo. you know, I want to hear Romo. I want to hear Jim Nance. I want to mm-hmm. hear the, the guys that are the, the Al Michaels and, and the Collinsworth. I want to hear those guys. I would like the sports gambling content too, but if you don't have the play-by-play, I lose something on TV. Maybe I'm old school, but I feel like I lose something. No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I do think people, even people who are more in, in tune with this market, like you and I, and people who are even way more in tune this, than this market than you and I, uh, you know, still want that that broadcast they want to hear the play-by-play they want the back and forth between the uh you know between the play-by-play caller and the and and the commentator they definitely love that you know they want to hear what what tony roma has to say and on our end we 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 want that even just just so we can hear al michael say well that's overwhelming or something like that i mean we want to know you know we want to we want to know that they're not ignoring this because that's there is another part to this the other side of this is that you cannot continue to ignore this. Okay. I, I, you can't be making it the center, the centerpiece of your broadcast, but neither can you just ignore it from the start of the game to the finish of the game. Well, I think you got to kind of acknowledge it a little bit. Isn't it more important at the end of the game for the broadcasters to have an idea, especially in blowouts when your entire audience is only watching for one reason. Exactly. And they should acknowledge when it gets to that point, you know, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, they should, I mean, they should shift gears a little bit. And I'm not saying go overboard, but they should shift gears a little bit and say, in case you're interested, here's why people are, you know, might still be tuning into this game. This is what William Hill at Caesar said, or Caesar's William Hill or whatever Caesar's and William right. Hill is now, uh, uh, you know, to, to 
help people understand there are still things in this game that matter to a to a not insignificant portion of the audience. So I think you want to while you want to catch the 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 broadcast of 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 uh, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and Tony Romo and Jim Nance and so forth and the byplay there. Uh, it's also interesting to hear when and if they're going to bring that up. And honestly, I do think in most games, especially near the end, even if it's not a blowout, if it's near the end and you're close on any of these facets and it's an interesting element to just quickly inject and let people know it's out there, you know, last yeah. few minutes, here's what's going on. And stop um, the wink, wink, stop the, stop exactly. the, the, you, you know, don't, you don't the need reference. Wink, wink. that's not really there. Like, you know, the, the Al Michaels like, Oh, that was significant to some people. Like exactly. stop that. I mean, look, I, I kind of like the wink, wink, but go ahead, do the wink, wink, and then say, here's what I mean. Yeah. Let's, Right. Let's, let's throw this in. Let's give this 25, 30 seconds because this is going to be uh, pretty, pretty relevant to, to, a, to a good portion of the audience. And half of that good portion of the audience needs it to go one way and the other half probably <laughs> needs it to go the other. Or maybe it's 70, 30, but still there are a bunch of people right. who need it to go one way and a bunch of people who need it to go to the other. And it's a fascinating dynamic that I think needs to be introduced more. Now, again, I'm totally saying, sticking with my original point of don't overwhelm people with this, but... Uh, but I also don't think you're doing the broadcast a you're doing service to the broadcast in this day and age with like half the states in the country now having legal regulated sports betting. Like I think 20 or so are up and running and more are on the way. Yeah. I don't think you're doing a service to your viewers if you don't if you don't know that if you don't know that as part of your game plan going in between the 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 play by play person and the color analyst and anybody doing commentary and down on the sidelines. If you haven't versed yourself just a little bit in the spread, the total, maybe the money line, if it's, if you've got an upset brewing, then I don't think, uh, then I don't think you're doing your homework anymore. I would agree. I think John Anik, who calls the ESPN mm-hmm. fights yes. for, for, the, for the UFC does an incredible job because John's a gambler. He understands it. He lives <laughs> a life, but he, he references it all the time of like, he'll mm-hmm. just say, man, the live odds have shifted given where we were going into the fight with this heavy yep. favorite. Now a dog going into the third round. This is clearly indicating you're just those types of references that are part of the broadcast. He's educated. He lives the lifestyle. He understands his audience and that's mm-hmm. why he's so good at doing it. We need more guys like John Anik who are doing their homework, who are, you know, up to speed on what's going on. Cause I do think we're going to see more, more live odds being put on the screen and more live odds being flashed either in commercial breaks or coming out of commercial breaks or whatever it might be. And, you know, DraftKings is the one that's doing that for the UFC now as the official provider for odds for the UFC and, and on ESPN for UFC broadcasts. And something happened today, Patrick, that back you, you referenced our previous podcast venture that we were together. You and I used to talk about when is DraftKings coming to Vegas? Well, it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy that today is the day we're talking because DraftKings is coming to Vegas and yes. they bought they bought the golden nugget and not just buying their their online properties, but they bought their brick and mortar as well. So mm-hmm. they're going to be in Laughlin, Nevada, and they're going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes, sir. And we're going to see DraftKings operating at some point here in Las Vegas. What does that do, one, given that they've got two offices already here? They've been eyeballing Nevada forever to open up. But who else does that mean FanDuel comes in behind at some point as well now that DraftKings may be coming to Vegas? Well, FanDuel or 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 Barstool or or what have you. I think I believe Penn still has a stake in a couple of properties here. So, you know, that could be in the offing as well. Tropicana, um, right? Did, did I think they're Tropicana the is a Penn property and yeah. I think the M may be a Penn property, too. Oh, I think you're right. So yeah, you flip so, right there. Boom! You flip both those books to Barstool Sports. Yep. Yeah, th- that that's a possibility too. So it it certainly opens the door for that. And from a competitive standpoint, those books that are on the outside looking in now, but have a way to get in, or even if they don't, are probably looking for a way. I would think because you don't want to give up that that market share. Because okay, look, we all know New Jersey is 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 beating Nevada in monthly handle every month, but New Jersey's got a tremendous population base to draw from. And it's got a couple of regulatory advantages that Nevada really needs to iron out. And I think Nevada will ultimately. But the bottom line is Nevada has been setting monthly, short of the pandemic, they've been setting records for monthly handle month after month after month. And that's because people still want to come here to do their thing. They have their fun learning how to, they, they, learn, they learn how to do it in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Iowa. And then they're like, all right, guys, let's go to Vegas. Uh, let's let's do this in in the sports book. So so Vegas is doing just fine despite having competition across the country now. So 
I don't think anybody is going to want to cede that market to a to a competitor. So I do think more is to come. But what I hope also comes with this is, look, if DraftKings is running the sports book at the Golden Nugget, right across the street from Circa, it's let's compete here, okay? <laughs> let's not have 30 and 40 cent straddles at, 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 a, at by the time you get to minus 165. Okay, let's, you know, let's I I think that will be interesting to see. I don't know if what that will mean is that DraftKings will revamp its model nationally or if they'll just have a regional, you know, regional numbers that could go either way. And look, I understand that I'm I'm not going to tell them how to run their business because those guys are smart people who've made a ton of money and they know how to they know how to do business and customer acquisition and all that. But what I am saying is. I I would hope that they are looking to compete with the guy across the street, uh, and I would think they would be. I don't <laughs> know. You, I don't know how you can't. If you're right across the street yeah. from Matt Metcalf and and Jeff Davis and so forth, it's like, you know, those those UFC numbers better be real real spot on. And so that if that happens, and I almost think it has to. I don't know how it can't. And and honestly, William here, I I, I think most of the books here in Vegas, William Hill here in Vegas, the Superbook, of course. Um, win and BetMGM. If you look, you know, Circa and Superbook often are the are the are the lead the way. But if you if you ta- if you like playing at other books, if that's where your accounts are, if that's where it's easy to fund and so forth, you're not generally now you need to shop. I always recommend shopping, but you're not going to get completely doused by the numbers there because they do compete to a to a degree. Yeah. Um, I if this means that. DK or FanDuel or whoever else comes in is going to add another layer to that competition and they're going to put competitive numbers out there against Circa, then that is awesome for the betters. That's a good thing. So I hope that is part of the end product of what of what may happen here. What do you make of the menus? And this is kind of coming from a conversation I had with the folks at Betfred where they're still not regulated yet in Nevada, but they have long said to me you know when we do go legal our betting menu is going to change nevada we offer so many more things than what's available right now well that's DraftKings and FanDuel as well that's probably the number one mm-hmm. critique or anger point i hear from people here where they'll go man why can't i bet that there's no book in vegas offering a prop on that player because mm-hmm. they'll go not just lebron they'll go to like the sixth or seventh man sure on on the lakers and vegas books just don't do that they, they don't see the the edge or the margin or they don't have a guy who has the time to be able to go and set a number that's going to be you know worthwhile for them do, do you see betfred DraftKings, someone of that ilk if they come in here will they what's more likely they go by the bet mgm model where bet mgm has nevada and then they've got everything else across the country or that it will be all one app where you'll be able to get the same odds here in Nevada that you do in Jersey. Yeah. I assume you and I have probably both talked to Brian Bennett, I'm guessing. And <laughs> that's a really good question. I hadn't thought to ask him that yet. Um, but you know, I would assume if they're saying, look, this is, this is our model. This is what we go with that. I, I assume they're going to have, you know, quite an expansion and maybe that puts some pressure on others to expand, but I do think a, a good point is made by those that aren't jumping into the water to have, you know, a hundred props or whatever, um, that, you know, watch how these have watch how all these markets are being priced as well. You need to, you know, it's great that it's offered, but if there's no price sensitivity for the customer, that's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily good for the customer. So I would hope that if but Patrick, like they that don't care, in, that's the oh, problem. The customer doesn't care about price. The customer doesn't care about the price. I mean, we, in Nevada, that's the one point where we haven't. I think that's the next step for the general public, better to learn to be sensitive to the price. Nevada people are damn sensitive to the price. Yes, but the guy in Illinois who just started betting last week, exactly, he care. It <laughs> he would serve, care. exactly, and that's the thing. But if you come here, people are sensitive to the price. Yeah. You're right about that. And I'm, I've, I'm an, I'm an avowed public better. I don't, I'm not doing deep analytical dives. I I'm going to, when I'm betting say Olympic golf, I'm going to go to three or four different apps on my phone and I'm going to, and I'm going to try to get the best price on the guys I want to play. And inevitably that will mean, I mean, it might lead me more to one book for two or three of those guys, but maybe the other two guys I take at one book, I may have five golf bets at three different books. 
And that's because Vegas does tend to bring out the, you know, the level of competition doesn't bring out the humongous menu. Now, if, now if, if, if bet Fred can find a way to thread the needle and do both those things, then I think you might see Vegas, the the other Vegas books follow suit. And I think, you know, just from what I've seen early on from WinBet, I think they're trying to do some of that stuff. They've been really creative uh, over the summer here, and I'm excited to see what else they're going to have. Well, my gosh, they're signing every big celebrity in the market right now. <laughs> Keo yeah. O'Neill to yeah. Chris Long to Chad Ochocinco. And my goodness gracious, are they, are they locking down a lot of the uh, big name brand ambassadors? And very they got similar. Some smart people in the risk room. Yeah, they do. And, 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 and very similar to what they what happened in New Jersey. When Jersey launches, you had all the different jet players and giant players getting scoffed up. And now when WinBet's coming in doing that, along with, with, with these big name athletes. You know, l- let me ask you this question about what happened in June. I know you are, you're always reporting and looking at the numbers across the country. But June, sportsbooks in America posted an 8.64% national win rate, which cleared $300 million in monthly revenue for just the fourth time since we got to the post-PAPSPA era. That's including the entire country, Nevada, New Jersey, Illinois, Tennessee, take your pick. What does that tell you about how the books are doing right now post-June when they're posting numbers like this? That's It's impressive, especially in June. But I, I think certainly what helped is, I mean, I know typically the Stanley Cup Finals and the uh, NBA Finals are going on in June. But they're usually done done by like mid-June, you know, maybe, maybe by the 20th, 21st. You had, you know, still kind of early round stuff going on well into, you know, all throughout June and then the finals into July. So the July numbers will be interesting as well because the Stanley Cup and the NBA Finals both ended up in July with, with that schedule. Um, I think that was a little bit of an unusual uh, – well, it is. It's, a, it's an anomaly. We're not going to have NBA – you know, a full onslaught of NBA playoffs with a lot of all the teams that were involved throughout June. Normally you're down to two teams, maybe four teams. So I think that contributed to it, but still look that if not, then it would have been may, you know, the numbers would have been may instead in all likelihood. So I think it's a good harbinger for, uh, for sports book, for the sports books and for the sports betting industry in general, it's great to see that uh, in, you know, that summer revenue is like that. Cause then it makes you think, Holy smokes. What do we have in store when the, when the real sport comes around that totally drives the engine for American sports betting. And that is football, generally speaking, and specifically the NFL college, obviously is a huge driver as well, but the NFL definitely drives the bus. And if we're doing those numbers in June and people are, you know, more and more people are hopefully kind of coming out of the pandemic. I know there's some things we got to work our way through, but I, I, I do feel much more positive about this than, than most of social media. I feel good about this. And I think people are starting to feel better about it and certainly better than they did last September, October, November. And those were pretty good months. So it, what it makes me think is, wow, what do we have in store 30 days from now, 60 days from now, you know, November, December, playoff races, bowl games, all that stuff. I think it's I hope it's uh, I hope it's a sign that we're in for a really good few months. I agree with you. Uh, last topic before we wrap here. So we've got Florida. We have New York, and we have a couple of other states like Texas and California that are all kind of looking at this. Mm-hmm. First, let's start with New York. You know, if if New York does wind up going legal at some point, like they are talking about, now they got other problems going on with their governor and whatnot that's distracting them from getting <laughs> this done. But when they do get sports betting done, and and the governor was one guy looking to push it forward, but if they do get it done, does that? How big of a game changer is that to the industry in your mind? And does that really sort of, I don't know, neuter New Jersey in what the numbers Jersey has been putting up for the last four years, three years? That's interesting. I think, you know, we got to see exactly what New York's final product is, because if it's going to be, you know, really limited, New Jersey's got like, I don't know, 14, 20, okay, 22, 22 operators, a lot of shopping you do. You know, maybe maybe that's too many. I don't know. But if they're all staying in business just fine, then obviously it's not too many. If New York limits this too much and makes it too difficult for, say, uh, you know, skins to get to, say, off-track betting operators or for like sports bars like we have here in Vegas, like PTs being able to have a, a Will Hill kiosk or, or that sort of thing. Um, if they limit it too much and or because of those limits – 
the pricing isn't that good. And I understand New York's, you know, all these newcomers generally aren't going to be that price sensitive, but enough New York City people have gotten such a good taste of what's going on in New Jersey that they are getting educated pretty quick and they are a little bit price sensitive. And it's not the cheapest thing to go back and forth across the river. It's a pain in the neck. So you, you would have to do the calculus there. But they do need to put up a competitive product in the end because they've got neighboring states that certainly have competition. So I think it's a little, we'll just have to see exactly how competitive uh, the governor and the legislature allow this market to be. I'm not a fan of what the way they're trying to do it. I don't think it necessarily begets competition. And therefore, I don't think it's good for the consumer. But to your point, a lot of these new consumers, they just want to bet. They're not, they're not price sensitive. Well, let me get I was going to get to the state anyway, and I can get to it right now because we have as we tape here on a Monday, some breaking news. The okay. Arizona Cardinals have mm-hmm. partnered with BetMGM to open up the first ever sports book inside of an NFL stadium. That'll happen this season. This September, you will have at the big toaster in the desert, <laughs> a sports book operating at Arizona Cardinal games. What is your expectation for Arizona when they go legal here in about three weeks? Well, that's there's there's been, and I saw throughout the day today, there's been some interesting dialogue on Twitter about this too. Not just about the, the I mean, the Betham Gem thing, as you said, is fresh, but just on Arizona sports betting in general. And that there's there's been some concern voiced about whether they're whether they really have all their ducks in a row to get this rolling in Arizona in a month. So and that's the one thing you, you, you don't want to do is roll out too soon with a product that's really not ready to go because that's one they way got to nine. turn people off they've in got, a hurry. They've got nine mm-hmm. operators ready to turn it on on the 2nd of September. That's yee, the, the, They're coming out blazing in Arizona. Yeah, and, and, it, and it might be fine. I mean, obviously, the, a lot of these operators we know well, and they certainly know what they're doing. Uh, but but I certainly you certainly don't want to get off to a bumpy start here. You want to come out best foot forward. Uh, look, I'm not surprised by the news at all. I mean, this was just, this was bandied about while they were doing the Arizona legislation. Could we, you know, can we can we can we have partnerships? Can we do sports books on property and so forth? There was, I think, the way some of the wording in the legislation was initially was really poor because it inferred. It didn't mean to infer, I don't think, but it inferred that somehow the team would have a stake Correct. in the sports betting and and how it and literally it said the the teams would operate the sports book and I'm like oh no 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 now that's <laughs> not what they meant but the language said otherwise and that's a little bit of what concerns me about Arizona and what concerns me about, it's it's what's concerned me about every state to this point is that the legislators don't know what they don't know but they think they know you know. So you need to have more people involved who know and who understand the fine-tuning of little points of language that make a big difference because you can't have a sports team operating a sports book. Now, that's different than having a sports book being operated by a sports book operator leasing space at a stadium or even being given space at a stadium if the stadium chooses to do that. That's their prerogative. But, right. but certainly the team can't operate a sports book. And that was a little bit – there was some hullabaloo around that in Arizona uh, a couple of months back. So. Um, I'm not surprised by it. I don't really have an issue with it. I think it's another way to uh, to engage people without getting in your face with it. If they walk by it while they're getting their popcorn and a beer or whatever, hey, that's kind of neat. Let's go check that out. You know, they can choose to do yeah. to, to check into it or to walk by and get back to their seat. You know, I'll, rather I'll than the commercial in your face all day long on the on, on the game. At the waste management, having a sports book at the waste management is going to be unbelievable. Oh yes! See, now I'm all for that. That tournament is. I mean, that's a that is a very that makes perfect sense. That is a total uh, waste management golf tournament move. That tournament is insanely different than any other golf tournament. The crowds are fantastic, and I think sports betting is par for the course. If I may say that for that tournament, I think it'll be very well received. I'm good with that too. And then last state to break down, last topic to get through is Florida, mm-hmm. where they are dealing with, obviously, the, the the tribal nations that are down there that control gambling in the state. Mm-hmm. So they've got to get approval from them, essentially their blessing in order to get this to be done. But if it is going to go the way it's being talked about, are you? is it good for the industry if every single bet, both mobile and in person in a brick and mortar, that a cut of that goes to one tribal nation. Wow, I get if if the alternative is you don't have legal sports betting in your state, 
and in a state that is that populous and that sports mad and you know a lot and there's much like las vegas florida is a very transient state a lot of people move to florida from other states and bring their allegiances with them and you know again not the majority but plenty of people enjoy sports betting and then and they bring those those sports betting enjoyment and their team allegiances to florida with them so the money's gonna get bet somewhere if it doesn't (laughs) get bet in florida so I guess that's the best way I can answer that. And that's that's been the case in all these states. It's like, look, you can put your head in the sand and you can have the stupid regulations. Oh, well, you can't bet on our colleges. There's sanctity there. Well, you know what? Then they're going to bet on those colleges somewhere else and you're not going to recognize that tax revenue. So you can feel holier than thou, but the money's going out anyway. So I look, I think it beats the alternative of not having legal regulated sports betting in Florida. Um it is an interesting dynamic that 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 has to be factored in, and I just think from a I would hope that from a regulatory perspective, from a legislative perspective, that the state isn't like okay, well then we have to up taxes and so forth to make sure we get our piece of the pie, because if you do that, then that ultimately is going to get passed on to the consumer in the way of not in, in the way in the way of prices that aren't as good. Absolutely. Patrick, do the folks do me a favor. Tell them where where they can find you. And when you have your big career announcement, where will you make where you, they can find all your latest content? Oh, absolutely. I'll, I, I should have some more news on this coming very soon. Uh, and for the moment, if you're already following me, if you've been following me, you still are. But it, but the handle has changed. And if you, so if you're not following me, uh, please give me a follow at Patrick E underscore Vegas. And that's on Twitter. And we'll be having a lot of fun with football season, as Matt can attest. It's a, it's a glorious time of year. My friend, thank you for the time. This was a lot of fun to have you on. Really appreciate it. I absolutely honored to be on, and uh, we'll talk again soon. A big thank you to Patrick Everson for joining us here on the Sharps Report. Remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can watch the video on YouTube when it does come out. Just go look and search for the Betting Pros YouTube channel every Wednesday. It is the latest edition of the Sharps Report, always on bettingpros.com. 